Green. Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! It is a football Friday here on Birds 365. Even though no football will be played, uh, it's still football Friday as far as we're concerned. So we're here to talk football with you, John McMullen and Jody McDonald, your Birds 365 Mac and Mac guys. And Johnny Mac will be staying put. No reason to go down to South Philadelphia. No great reason to make the Novacare track. No, maybe a little bit less. The flower show is down there. So, you know, that's going to create some issues. Where the hell did they have the flights up there? FDR FDR Park, I think. Some kind of big flower show. Really? Uh, Yeah. They were setting up for it yesterday. I think it starts Saturday, though. But I could be wrong. Check it out. FDR Park. Stop and buy the missus a little flowers for the. No, it wasn't open. They were just setting up. But you could see all the. Good excuse. Yeah. Nice, nice. Uh, oh, I used it. I used... Believe me, I used it, Jody. I'm not. Uh, you know. more, more yard work for Johnny Mac this weekend. Every boy flowers. I'm told every day by the head coach the most important thing is decision making, processing. Actually, it's accuracy. But for this bit, I'll go with decision making, <laughs> pro- processing. Uh, you got to process quickly. You got to get your excuses. You got to have the excuse Rolodex. There you go. Ready to roll it out on call, and you did just that. Um, yes, no eagle practice today. No eagle practice for uh, a bit. Uh, I look at the top of my sheet. I write it down every day. Today is show 294. 294. Mc- Creeping McMullen up on 300. Yeah. Close to 300. That will be a couple of Mondays from now. 93 days until the first regular season game. But what bothers me is we're more than six weeks away from the opening of camp, which means no football for six solid weeks. J-Mac, what the hell are you and I going to talk about for the next six weeks? USFL playoffs are coming to Canton in the Hall of Fame. Is the USFL that's, that's, still going? Yeah. Are they still playing? Yeah, they're still playing. Oh, shit. That, that, actually, I'm going to tune into that for this reason. It is going to be at the uh, Hall of Fame. Uh, at the new Tom Benson field, not new, but a couple of years ago when they had all the issues with the field. That part will be a little bit interesting uh, to me. And the Stars have made the playoffs, Jody, in case you're wondering. Wow. The Stars are. They're, they're banging in Birmingham. Huh? They're not. Uh, there's a real. I think it is Birmingham. I think uh, is 
undefeated or close to it. They're they're the dominant. I think New Jersey's good. I could be this could all be completely wrong, but I know the Stars are in the playoffs, but one of the lesser teams in the playoffs. How many teams made the playoffs? Eight out I think, of ten. I think four. I think four. Okay. Four of eight. Fifty percent. Hey. You know, the, every the, other league like might have been that. eight out of ten. Uh, yeah, they play every that regular season like that. Why shouldn't the USFL be like that? It's it's such a crock of crap. I'm sorry. Uh, and <laughs> it's a crock of crap. I've never it's been. It's better a... than what Jaws owned a uh, half the Arena League. No, I like the title. I like the Arena League because it was at least it was different. It was it was indoor football, so it made a little bit different. Uh, I actually was a bigger fan of the Arena than the spring stuff. The fact that it's tied to the NFL, the USFL, to its credit, I think it and, is tied to the NFL. I excuse think me? the XFL is more tied to the NFL. To really? You think so? Yeah. They're making a bunch of deals. They're not playing right now, but Dwayne Johnson bought the XFL, and right. him and his ex-wife are, are sort of running it. And they've made our Randy Mueller just made a deal. Our buddy who always comes on the show, and I hope he can still come on the show. Uh, and I'm going to ask him. He's going to be a personnel director for one of the XFL teams. Uh, Wade Phillips is going to coach uh, one of. They got a bunch of big name coaches, big name executives. They got a deal worked out with sort of the the refereeing arm, really the logistics arm of the NFL to try different things. There, they're they have a closer relationship with the actual NFL than any other spring league ever has already. And I haven't played a game. This is XFL 3.0. I'm not talking about the prior versions um, run by Vince McMahon. This one's, this one's going to be different, more serious. Um, And I don't think it's going to succeed because I don't think people want to pay for minor league football, but uh, it's, it probably has the best chance. I will say that they've already made deals that kind of make you raise your eyebrow a little bit. But the USFL is playing in Canton. You're telling me is where they're moving the playoffs to? Uh the the playoffs are going to be in Canton. Yeah, yeah. And Remember, the NFL doesn't run the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Understood, uh, but they yeah. have a symbiotic relationship, right? If they didn't, what kind well, of, yeah. of Hall of Fame would Hall of Fame be? Yeah, they couldn't exist well the pro football thing couldn't exist uh without the nfl's sort of approval right um but they 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 kind of they've always been they've had a lot of autonomy the nfl hasn't uh, really doesn't stick their nose into the hall of fame they realize it's it's important for their legacy as well so I, I wouldn't. So the NFL is not looking at them inviting the USFL to bring their playoffs to their house as a snub of the nose. No, for two reasons. They don't care. They don't care. I'm not saying the NFL has a great relate like a, a relationship with the XFL that can't you know be, be you know buffered. They just made a few small deals. Um. I don't think they care either way, to be honest. But if you're asking me which one is closer with the NFL, it's the XFL. That's how I would describe it. And the XFL doesn't get underway till next spring. Yes. So that's yes. just another league that I won't be on top of come <laughs> next spring. Uh, I Yeah, we, we prefer to talk about the National Football League. We prefer to talk about the birds. 
but I'm not sure what we're going to talk about for the next week because the Eagles have now truly kicked into their offseason. There's the preparation at the end of the season, then there's the uh, getting ready and the uh, free agency and putting the roster constructing together. They're up to 90 guys. They worked out limitedly uh, during the past month and change, starting with a rookie minicamp and, and going forward from that. And now we truly do have six weeks of downtime. Some players will be in and out of the uh, Eagles facilities just for lifting purposes and staying in shape purposes, but they can't have any contact with their coaches. Did this team do enough this offseason, John? It's something we've harped on basically day in and day out when you were laid out for you beat guys who covered the team day in, day out. Um, what was going to entail the offseason, how much work they were going to do or how much work they weren't going to do. Did they do enough? No. I mean, how could you say they did enough? I mean, uh, to me, it makes absolutely no sense from a football perspective and make might make sense from a health perspective and i i talk about all the time the eagles kind of weighed that put it on the scale and said what's more important and they came up with with health is more important but you know you, you already if you talk to most coaches in this league and by the way if nick sirianni was being honest he'd be in this group i'd include him in, in this group and you said, all right, you got 13 practices for the spring and, you know, convoluted any way you want. You got a ramp up here. You got to, you can only go 90 minutes, two hours, an hour, whatever. Um, you got 13 practices. Most would tell you that's not enough. Uh, I, I don't like that. I don't feel comfortable with it. I'd rather have more, I guess is the best way. Not, you know, I'd rather have more. The Eagles didn't even use their full allotment and they didn't use 50% of their full allotment. So I don't, I don't, you know, unless you you're, you're on the, the, the side of spring work doesn't matter at all, at all, which I'll listen to that argument because I don't think it matters at all for veteran players. I really don't. I don't think it matters at all. If, if they keep themselves in shape, if they're professionals, um, I don't think it matters at all for the Jason Kelsey's of the world other than chemistry and, and sort of intangible stuff, but for actual on field work, I don't think it matters to those guys. I really don't. Um, but I think it matters a lot for younger players and developmental players. As I say all the time, I think it's very important for them. So I, I don't know how you can sit there and say, we're not using, the full allotment, which is probably not a not as much as you need, according to most coaches, and say you've worked enough. I don't know how you can even make that argument. So the argument to me is not that we've worked enough. The argument to me is from the Eagles should be we've done this cost benefit analysis and we think this is more important. And that's that's it. But part of its PR, they have to you know, they have to make people like Jody McDonald and, and John McMullen happy and all the critics and say, yeah, we're working, we're getting this done, we're getting this done. And um, old school people and say, you need to practice, you need to practice, you need to practice. I, I My belief is, and this is not just the Eagles, a lot of teams are in this category, 
and I've told you this before, Jody, you, you can't prepare like you need to anyway. So then we default to the other direction. All right. Let's let's get to week one as healthy as possible. That's what I think the equation is. And that's the way the Eagles have looked at it, and that's the way they laid it out this offseason. Um, but I let me follow up on a point you made about the veterans and as far as them needing it for football, technical skills and stuff. They surely don't. But you also mentioned intangibles and chemistry. Do they not need that? Is that just something that you can throw out and say, yeah, it's a veteran guy. He doesn't really need it. I'll give you a prime example like Isaac Samalu is moving to the right side for the first time. He's been a left guy except for a sporadic fill-in for an injured uh, Brandon Brooks or something like that. He's been a left-side guy uh, since he's joined the Eagles, and he's going to have to play next to Lane Johnson this year, which is different than than playing on the right-hand side, uh, whoever uh, he's playing on the right-hand side as compared to the left-hand side. Wouldn't you like to get him a couple of summer reps just so when they get to training camp, it's not the first time he lines up next to Lane Johnson? Well, I, that, I would is say... That, is that meaningless? Am I overstating the case here? It, it might help Isaac a little bit, but I but I will say Isaac... Might help Lane, too, because there, there's a relationship between the tackle and the guard on every single line. Yeah, I, I mean, number one, Isaac's done it before um, at the pro level and the college level, so it's a little bit different. He has done it before. That's one of the things about Isaac is how versatile he is. Um, and he just talked about this week about the preseason game where he played every position. He literally, literally played every position, center, left guard, right guard, left tackle, right tackle. Um, so he's done it all. He's done it in the past. He and Lane are very close. Lane is probably a perfect example of the in, intangibles because Lane, I don't know if he was in at all, maybe popped his head in um, like uh, uh, Fletcher like- Cox said he did. Um, but he wasn't there when we were there. Uh, either time i know he's been down in texas doing some stuff you know but he's going to be in south jersey and he's got that bro barn that everybody's probably heard of and jalen hurts worked out there last year and a bunch of guys work out there um you know so he he kind of accomplishes the intangible stuff and isaac said by the way isaac's going to work out with him um, because Isaac has to, Isaac's not fully cleared. He's got to continue his rehab. So he can't just go on vacation for um, six, seven weeks. So he's going to be working out with Lane Johnson. So like a lot of that intangible in, in stuff, I was talking about guys like Lane Johnson kind of handle on their own. And he's working out with his O-line masterminds and, and Duke Mannyweather. And they're doing stuff with even other players around the league. Eagles are going to go down to that. Those those guys, those all pro level guys, know it's kind of baked in. They know what they have to do. They know what their job is. That's why I don't think it's important for players like Kelsey and Lane. And they're doing all this stuff that you're thinking about. But yes, intangibles are are important. Hey, it's what the Eagles talk up about Jalen Hurts, right? Right. So you can't say it's important with Jalen Hurts and not important for other people. I think they should have used their 13 practices. I'm on, I, I still say that, you know, I, I, I don't think Nick Sirianni has to worry any longer about, Oh, I'm a rookie head coach. I got to get the players on board. They're on board. You can say, 
what's up mandatory minicamp? Do one of your slam down Nick Sirianni hit the table. Let's do mandatory minicamp. Let's do it. The veterans can sit and, you know, watch and let's do it for the stinking developmental players. I don't, I don't get why they didn't do it. Neither do I. And we will uh, certainly uh, evaluate the Eagles and what kind of start they get off to, because unlike last year, where the first half of their schedule was the trickier half of their schedule, I think it's the exact opposite this year. I think the beginning of the schedule is very winnable with games they should come out with W's. And if they don't, uh, get ready for it, Eagle fan. Six months from now, Jody McDonald's going to be sitting here and going, I'm wondering yeah. if the no. very light preseason that the Eagles took part in had any effect on them not starting as fast as they could. We know there's a lot of things that go into winning and losing games in the first uh, month, six weeks of the season. By the way, Jody, tone, uh, hat tip to tone. <clears throat> yeah, the Birmingham Stallions are 8-0. The playoff teams are the Stallions, the Generals, the Stars, and the New Orleans Breakers, thanks to our, our producer tone. Get Jody Mack excited. Uh, yeah, I have to actually know. Eight, no, perfect that. season. The Dolphins are scared. Well, no, no, no kidding they went out. You know why they went eight? No, home field advantage. They have 782 people at every single game. 712 of them are Birmingham fans because it's all the games are played in Birmingham. Well, now they got to go to Canton. They went eight no at home. Now they got to finish with the home field. Now they got to finish the job. They got to finish the job. Oh, they're going down. They're they're going to Canton. They're dead in the water. No home field advantage. They got no shot. They're going down. All right. Either uh, Philadelphia Stars are going to make the young New Jersey or Philadelphia is winning this thing. All right. Case Cocos, by the way, Brian Scott got hurt. Ooh, Case Cocos is the quarterback. You're making that up, right? I am not making it up. That's Case the Cocos, quarterback's look, name. Uh, Case Cocos. He uh, he was in uh, he was in a couple NFL camps. I, I forget who, but the, the uh, legend of Case Cocos, Northern right. Arizona player. He was in oh, camp with huge. the Giants, That's huge. The Broncos, the Vikings, the Raiders. And the Edmonton Elks before he went to the Philadelphia Stars. All right, now you'll really impress me. What's the nickname of Northern Arizona? Uh, no idea. Yeah, I didn't think so. Yeah. I don't even know if Case Cookus can remember the nickname because it sounds like he's bounced around. It's been a while since he was at Northern Arizona. I, uh, Eagle I stuff. I, I, I want to ask you one question before we get our first guest stuff. Seamus Clancy uh, from Philly Voice is going to join. You know what? I'll wait till Seamus joins us. Uh, he is John McMullen. I am Jody McDonald. We are your Mac and Mac Bird 365 guys. First time guest with us today. Does a great job with Philly Voice this week. They threw him into the deep end of the pool. Uh, no Jimmy Kemsky covering the Eagles. So they said, guess what, Seamus? Well, they, he told himself, since he's kind of the boss over there now, uh, Seamus Clancy said, I'll go cover the Eagles. That won't be a problem. So McMullen wrangled him in. He's going to join us next here on Birds 365.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on that can you search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities with Local 98, visit us, ibew98.org. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, this, this. And that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. Blackbird 365 guys rolling on a football Friday. McMullen and McDonald joined by a first-time guest. Looking forward to having him on the show going forward. Good enough to hop on with us here today. Seamus Clancy, uh, who uh, writes basically everything for uh, the guys over at phillyboys.com, but had eagle duty this week filling in for our buddy Jimmy Kempsey. Uh Did McMullen treat you okay at your couple of eagle outings Uh-oh. this week, Seamus? Uh-oh. I yeah, think. everyone was very welcoming of me, kind of a baptism by fire, I guess you would say, over the last two weeks going down there and, you know, filling in as a beat writer, even though I do kind of a jack of all trades, a bunch of different stuff. Yeah, overall. it's a motley, it it's a motley crew, Seamus. Good crew, motley. fun crew. Yeah. Um, uh, Jimmy's globetrotting, by the way. Jimmy was in Rome. Tell me he's in Birmingham way. watching Shook as yeah. quarterback. <laughs> what the hell is he doing if he's not covering the Eagles? Case Cookus. Well, uh, he got a little bit of a break. So Seamus got a, a firsthand look at the Eagles and their two open practices, if you want to call them that. I'd like to call them sessions. So we'll start there, Seamus. What excited you about the birds when you got some grass time with Nick Sirianni and the boys? Well, I think everything uh, that people really want to look at and what I wrote about in my observations over the last two weeks is those seven-on-seven sessions. And I like that you said sessions because it's not even a real practice, yeah. right? And I'm yeah. not trying to be you know, Dick Vermeil or Ron Jaworski complaining about the good old days of you know throwing 10,000 passes in a month yeah. and doing yeah. all that stuff. Uh, but that's and the Dick real... Dick was there, by the way. He was, he Dick was. Vermeule, yeah. With uh, Irving Fryer, I believe, right? Yeah, Irving, Frank LeMaster. Yeah, Irving Fryer. 
Yeah, Barrett was there. Barrett Brooks, our own Barrett Brooks. It was alumni day for the Eagles, but sorry to interrupt. Continue, no. uh, Seamus. Seven on sevens, yeah. More of a thought- glorified passing drill. Yeah, it's a passing drill, right? It's not even – it's not practice. It's possession. It's a manipulated pass rush. Nick Sirianni mentioned uh, the other day, speaking with reporters, that – The devastating uh, bags. Yeah, yeah, using the bag like your uh, JV grade school football, uh, (laughs) doing some drills out there. So I think that's an improvement. But in reality, it's just a simple passing drill. And, you know, the defensive backs aren't going super hard. They can't be super physical. Uh, But I thought Jalen looked okay the last two two sessions. Uh, Had some highs, had some lows, it seemed. Uh, I would say more good than bad. And I would say these are both encouraging performances. Again, it's a glorified passing drill, but it's all we have to go off of, right? We've only seen two practices this entire offseason. So you have to have some takes and opinions based on what you saw. I think Jalen threw 16 passes on Wednesday and maybe 12 or 13 the week prior. So we're on the smallest of sample sizes here. But his deep ball, I thought, looked pretty good both last week and this past week. He had a really, really nice throw uh, to Quez Watkins in that deep slot roll. Burned Avante Maddox deep. Great route by him. Uh, we also had a really nice play from John Hightower this week. I thought John Hightower's practice this week uh, was really, really good. I really like the touch that Jalen Hurts had on his – the last play of OTAs was a wheel route down the left sideline to Jason Huntley. Really good catch by Jason. Really good route, but it's the perfect little touch on that throw. Uh, something that's not been a part of Jalen's game from what we've seen over the last year and a half. You know, it's sort, sort of the end of the 2020 season and his full season, the 2021 starter. Seems like he's been attacking in the middle of the field a little bit more during the session. Again, it's a practice session. There's no pass rush. I think Jalen's a guy who thrives more in a game setting, an 11-on-11 full contact setting, given his mobility, which that kind of attribute to his game is minimized in these settings. So I don't think this is really the, the full uh, high-ceiling maximal Jalen Hurts that you might be getting in September and October, but I liked his uh, ability to try things that were weaknesses, uh, what we've seen over his, you know, uh, 20 or so career starts. Let me follow up on uh, the last one. You talked about the close out the practice pass to Jason Hunley. Hunley be no higher than the fourth back on the Eagles depth chart as of right now. Everything's (laughs) fluid, could change, but how big a part is throwing the ball to the backs out of the backfield? do you think is going to be of the offense this year? They want to pass the ball more. That is the safest of passes usually to get it to the back in the backfield. Do the Eagles have enough talent back there in receiving backs to make that a big part of their offense in 2022? I definitely think so. Miles Sanders is definitely the team's best rusher. Uh, But I think he's had some issues with drops over the last couple of years. He was really strong as a rookie in 2019 uh, out of the backfield, I thought, and kind of regressed over the last two seasons, had some of those issues with drops. But while the Eagles running back group isn't really high on high level talent, I think there's a really good depth there and guys who can do a little bit of different things. Well, I think Boston Scott's really great out of the backfield. Maybe that's only if he's playing in the Meadowlands against the Jets or the Giants, but he's proven there too. And I I really love the selection of Kenny Kenny Gainwell in last year's draft. He's a guy I didn't even think would be on the Eagles' radar in the sense that he would go earlier than he did in the draft. And I think he's fantastic out of the backfield. I think a lot of those Memphis running backs over the last half dozen or so years that are coming out, uh, Tony Pollard and Dallas, really versatile in their game, not just uh, traditional rushers, but guys who can make plays out of the backfield too. And then you have Huntley there. It's, It's a situation where on some other teams, Huntley might make the roster as the third running back, I think. Uh, but in a situation with the Eagles, they have some nice depth there, even though, again, uh, there's no true, true 
bell cow running back, even though some Eagles fans really might want that to be Miles Sanders, but it doesn't really seem the case going into his fourth pro season. Uh, so I do like what they have back there, but still I'm really high on Gainwell and what kind of uh, explosion he could have in his second season. I think he had six total, six or seven total touchdowns as a rookie, which he didn't get really get a ton of run out there and a ton of snaps and reps but really maximized his potential whenever he was on the field. So I think it'll be a numbers game where Huntley might not get that uh, ability to be out there during the regular season, but that speaks more so to the versatility that Gainwell and Boston Scott could offer than Huntley himself in a vacuum. Yeah, you bring up Kenny uh, Sheamus, and it was interesting to me because he had a drop. And I I remember somebody was asking me, um, you know, what was your biggest takeaway from OTAs? And everybody's talking about the touchdowns and the two deep balls to yeah, Devontae. Yeah, the touchdowns, and, yeah, fake touchdowns. Exactly. Uh, the deep balls to Devontae in the first practice, and then, as he mentioned, was Quez and, and John Hightower in the second one. Um, but I said Kenny Gainwell's drop because he never drops it. So I was shocked. It was a little uh, pass in the flat, uh, and it was good. It was right there, uh, and he dropped it. But I, you know, I bring that up not to uh, dismiss Kenny because he's such a good receiver. It shocked me. And that's why it stuck out to me. Um, And I do think he's going to be a big, big part of the offense uh, as the sort of third down, the hurry up back. They're going to use him and very similar to the start of last year when he was a rookie. But I think people forget. Uh, Kenny didn't play his final season in college because yeah. of COVID. He took the season off. So I think he's going to be a big improvement. We're all talking about A.J. Brown, understandably so, and Devontae and Dallas Goddard. I think Kenny Gainwell's that extra piece as sort of the security blanket to Jalen Hurts. But my question is, is Jalen the type of quarterback who's going to take that uh, um, safety valve or – is he so good at running the football and creating things himself that so, that sort of deters that a little bit, that safety valve that can all of a sudden be uncovered and turn into a 20-yard gain or something of that nature? I want to get your spin on the situation, but on practice this past Wednesday, I know Jalen threw 16 passes, but it seemed like a lot of the immediate and first reads on those throws, not just the checkdowns after the first or second read isn't there and Hurts is kind of scrambling around on something that might have been, you know, a sack or uh, tucks the ball and runs in a real game setting. But it seemed like there was a lot of throws underneath right away, whether that was you saw Kenny Gainwell lining up in the slot a lot during practice over these last two weeks. That's something that Nick Sirianni really deployed at times in 2021. And I do I am a fan of that. I guess you could say 21 personnel. I think the Eagles can make greater use of that, both in terms of running the ball and passing the ball, given the the skill set of Jalen Hurts. And I looked at the way that during the Lamar Jackson era, the way that the Ravens have deployed 21 personnel with their that strength in the backfield they have on top of, obviously, uh, Lamar's ability to run, rush the football. I don't think Jalen's quite Lamar Jackson, but compared to anyone else in the league, I would say he's in that number two slot in terms of productive rushers for a running back, even more so than maybe Kyler Murray, even though he doesn't necessarily touch Kyler's abilities as a passer. But I think Gainwell being out there is something that I would encourage this season, even if it's just not just himself and the lone back out there, but in a situation where there could be multiple backs out there. And I think that I don't know what we're going to see from Jalen. It's 
you know, his second season in the Nick Sirianni's Shane Steichen system, Shane Steichen uh, continuing to call plays over at the start of the 2022 season. I know that caused a bit of a stir and fans probably were looking for someone new to blame if something goes wrong in week one. So they're thinking about that. You know, first three and out, Steichen, get him off the play call and get Sirianni yeah. back out there. Get Brian Johnson, the QB coach, or uh, Kevin out there, Kevin Batulo to call, start calling plays. Uh, but I, I'd like to see Jalen do that more. And I think the team... Uh, obviously they love Jalen's ability and his mobility. If that's the key to his game, not just talking about as a pure runner, but make, be able to move around and maneuver in the pocket, roll out, do those sort of things. So the, the Eagles drafted him because of those abilities. But I think at the same time, I think they'd like to see him run a tad, tad less and be able to hit those touch passes underneath. That could be picked. That could be easy six, seven yard gains for the team as well. Uh, this is something we surely didn't get a look at in uh, the off season because the Eagles have scaled back as much as they have. Um, that's hurry up offense, no huddle offense to do that. You have to have a lot of things, uh, tricks in your bag that you have faith are going to work with you. And one of it is you have to believe that the quarterback can negotiate, navigate, and be able to call plays himself in a hurry up offense. I think, uh, dropping in hurry up offense can be a really good tool to throw another defense off in the midst, the middle of a game. Do you think the Eagles have enough faith in Jalen going into his second year as a full-time starter that they will use more hurry up than they did last year? Because they did not. They used it only when they needed it when trailing in games. I love it when a team goes no huddle on their second possession of the game and catches the defense off guard. Do you think they got faith that Jalen can pull that off if they use it this year? Well, I don't necessarily – I think they need to be Chip Kelly week one, 2013 against Washington on Monday Night Football. But given the speed on this offense, not just Jalen, but in that running back crew we talked about, Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown isn't necessarily a burner, but uh, an athletic marvel at the same time. And Quez Watkins has that ability to get downfield and be a deep passer. Dallas Goddard, uh, physical as well. And obviously I'd say right now maybe a five, top five, top six tight end of this league. The skills there and Jalen's skill set, and I think the intangibles whenever people talk about, you know, what's a quarterback above the shoulders. And I think that's where maybe Jalen doesn't have the greatest arm in the world. We all know that at this point. But the intangibles and the mobility are really what set him apart as uh, pertains to what the Eagles quarterbacks we've seen over the last decade, decade and a half. Uh, so I think those two traits, the intangibles, the mental processing on top of his mobility and legs, lends itself to working well in a hurry-up situation, whether that's just at any point in a quarter or in a two-minute situation late in the first or second half. Uh, Seamus, one of flip sides of the football with you here. Uh, one of the more interesting things I saw on, <clears throat> I'll call it day two, that we didn't see even day one. All of a sudden, a couple defensive ends. I saw Derek Barnett. I saw Teron Jackson, um, Patrick Johnson, uh, Sam Linebackers, Kyron Johnson. Um, they were in seven-on-sevens playing linebacker, dropping into coverage. Are are we going to get – I think there's a lot of talk about Jonathan Gannon. Obviously, understandably so, people look to Mike Zimmer or Matt Everflus and say this is what Jonathan Gannon's going to do. I'm starting to look towards uh, Brandon Staley, who's okay. his, you know one of his best friends. They were in each other's weddings. Um, and really, Staley runs sort of the Vic Fangio style of defense. So think Chicago or 
uh, Denver, uh, obviously, when he was the head coach. I think Green Bay, they run it. A um, couple other teams. Minnesota's going to run it this year because they have Ed Donatel, who's another one of those guys. Sort of this hybrid 3-4-4-3. Three, four, four, three. Think about players like Khalil Mack, Zadarius Smith, with in the Hassan Reddick role. Is that what we're going to see? Do you know what we're going to see? What do you think we're going to see from Jonathan Gannon? I don't think anyone truly knows what a Jonathan Gannon defense really looks like, that idealized version. Last year, it seemed like he didn't have necessarily the right personnel to do the things that he truly wanted to do. He made the best out of the situation. The Eagles were competent defensively at the least, helping get to the postseason. Yes, the competition over the last half of the season wasn't, wasn't too great. I think we can all agree on that. But this year, the personnel is better for him. And I think we talk about Hassan Reddick in that Sam linebacker role, someone who played maybe more straight linebacker during the two open practices that we saw, given that he can't really rush the passer. But versatility is the name of – uh, Reddick's game and I think that's kind of the kind of the defining factor of Gannon's defense it's going to be based on versatility it's going to be odd man fronts four three three four things that we haven't even really seen the Eagles run not just during last season Gannon's first year in Philadelphia but really previous before that because Jim Jim Schwartz had a kind of a traditional you know the wide nine four three defense and this is something different I think uh we don't necessarily know what it's going to be yet. And these two practices really can't tell us much when it's just seven on seven, a, a glorified offensive drill more so than anything that we can really have huge takeaways from the defense. So I don't think we really know yet, but the Reddick signing seems to be uh, the greatest sign that Roseman, Howie Roseman is putting in a position to give Gannon maximize the personnel for, to allow him to do the scheme and system that he truly wants to do. All right, Seamus. One of the other things I think the Eagles potentially missed out on this week with the limited amount of time they dedicated to uh, working as a team was mentorship. John and I talk about this all the time, usually about the quarterback position, about yeah. the guy in place bringing along the drafted guy underneath them. Is it his responsibility or not? Um, a couple articles I read this week about certainly Jason Kelsey willing to do that with Jordan, uh, uh, his replacement that they drafted in the second round this past year that uh, he on draft day was very much in favor of uh, knowing that his uh, reign as Eagle center is not going to go on forever. But they also took uh, Jordan Davis in the first round. And Fletcher Cox is a guy who has been the staple in Eagles defensive tackle position for a decade now. Will Fletcher play the role of mentor for a guy like Jordan Davis? And did the Eagles, is that one of the things they lose out on by going as short as they do during this prevent injury offseason that they have. They don't have grizzled guys, winners, Super Bowl champions, able to work with some of the guys that will be the Eagles' key players over the next decade. Yeah, I think the Fletch situation is really intriguing and something that may not be talked about too, too much. Uh, we all know the, the contract situation, whether he was getting cut and re-signing, that was a little odd this past March, but obviously he's back here in Philadelphia for this year. He's on a one-year contract. He spoke to the media on Wednesday, I believe, kind of addressed that situation, talked about his relationship with Jordan Davis. Uh, last week, Jordan Davis had mentioned that Fletcher Cox was a player that he molded his game off of in his youth, and I'm sure Fletcher Cox feels a little odd saying that someone uh, on his team grew up watching him. But I'd really like to see more of – I'm not saying he hasn't done it. I can't speak to Fletcher Cox's demeanor or role in the locker room. But someone I'd really like to see 
uh, carry this young defensive tackle group because I think they really do have four quality players there. I was really high on Milton Williams going into day two of the draft in 2021. And I think down the stretch last year, he showcased that he can be a starting caliber defensive tackle in this league. And the expectations for Jordan Davis are sky high, whether it's as uh, the unbelievable run stuffer he was at Georgia or his upside as a, as a pass rusher at the next level. And you had J- Javon Hargrave, who had sort of a Pro Bowl caliber season, I think teeter off a little bit after a really strong start, but overall played pretty well last season. And, uh, Fletcher's the elder statesman, a guy who had been an all-pro in the past, a Super Bowl champion compared to those other three guys. But I wonder how he's going to take a situation where he might not be playing as many snaps as he did uh, throughout his career, if he's not getting quite the same numbers because of him playing less or because Jonathan Gannon's system doesn't necessarily call for him to rush the passer as much as he had done in the past during his peak during the Jim Schwartz era. Uh, so I think that's one of the interesting wrinkles we'll see over the next uh, few months in terms of training camp in the preseason, but actually – during the season two and taking the temperature of the team, the defense and that specific defensive tackles room, because they did mention that uh, they've split up the defensive line system and defensive yeah. line coaching <clears throat> to uh, an interior defensive line room and then an outside edge rusher crew. So I think that's something that a situation when you're breaking down into a smaller group, I'd really like to see Fletcher come into a leadership position with those three guys under him. I'm not saying that he hasn't done that previously, but I think it would be really welcome, not just for him, but with the future stability of this franchise and for a team that's had talented defensive linemen essentially for uh, the last two decades of my time watching the team. Yeah, and they do, again, as you mentioned, really impressive depth, uh, particularly at defensive tackle when you start talking about a, a young emerging playing emerging player like Milton Williams and you're going to have difficulty getting him a whole lot of snaps because you have so much depth and even Brandon Graham can move inside. So yeah, uh, he can kind of toggle uh, back and forth. Uh, so I, I, I want to sort of piggyback off that and talk about depth at other positions offensive line really good that's sort of what the eagles do they build up up front on both sides of the football but i gotta tell you seamus when you know as fletcher says people pop their head in during otas they pop their head out there are certain positions aj brown Devonte smith popped out on wednesday and you start to look out there and go oof you know uh, you know these guys better stay healthy um Safety would be an obvious position. Uh, tight end after Dallas Goddard. What are your concerns when it comes to depth? That, you know, it's tough to get depth everywhere. Every team in the NFL deals with this. But what positions are your biggest concerns when it comes to depth? I like that you mentioned the tight end situation because not just during uh, Nick Sirianni's first year in Philadelphia, but during the Doug Peterson era, we saw the Eagles deploy two tight end sets that – uh, 12 personnel really frequently. And I wonder if that continues this season uh, and the aftermath of Zach Ertz getting traded in the middle of last season. Uh, down the stretch, they still did it uh, a decent amount. They utilized Jack Stoll, uh, an undrafted rookie free agent last year, as a blocker. And I think he has uh, ways to go to be uh, a pretty good receiver at the pro level, but has illustrated his capabilities as a blocker. And that boded really well for the Eagles when they did that midseason switch to a heavy, heavy rushing attack. So I think they were comfortable having him out there doing that. But when you see the changes in the offense this season, you have Devontae Smith going to second year, had a franchise record-breaking rookie wide receiver year last year. You bring in A.J. Brown. You don't bring in A.J. Brown to be blocking cornerbacks down. You bring in A.J. Brown to throw the football. 
And I think having Brown out there uh, leads to a situation with where Quez Watkins, who Sirianni's talked up during camp, a situation where he's going to be on the field a lot, uh, whether that's a deep slot guy as the third wide receiver or even a guy like Zach Pascal that Sirianni's bringing him, their relationship uh, stemming from their days, shared days in Indianapolis with the Colts. So I think you're going to see more three wide receiver looks this season, but I'm interested to see if they're still going to be utilizing those two tight end looks heavily and what tight ends are going to be out there, whether they're going for Jack Stoll uh, for a more run heavy look or someone else that they could use for maybe more passing attack. I know uh, Grant Calcaterra, uh, their undrafted, their, their sixth round pick, I believe, uh, yeah. that they drafted, uh, shared some time at Oklahoma with Jalen Hurts. I think they'd like to see something from him as a pass catcher. I think the Tyree Jackson injury in Week 18 really hurts them, not just because of you know the literal injury that befell Tyree, but I think he looked really strong. The team, the, the team and the organization was very high on him and seems like the type of guy, given his physical traits, that could have been great as both a blocker and a receiver. And I think if Jackson was healthy throughout camp and uh, these OTA sessions and the training camp in the preseason – might have been a situation where they were going to work with more two tight end sets coming this fall, but I don't necessarily expect that to be immediately. Uh, the safety situation, I think that's the biggest question mark on the team overall. Uh, do you really believe in Marcus Epps that the organization feels high on him? I can't speak to you know what Marcus Epps is doing on a daily basis to get better and prove himself to be starting caliber safety in this league. But if the Eagles get beat deep a couple of times in the first couple of games of the season, uh, people and Eagles fans, I'm sure, will be calling for his head and wondering – why Howard Roseman didn't uh, address the safety position maybe as much as he could have. Seamus, I appreciated the fact that coming off the bench, uh, filling in for Kemsky, you stuck to a couple of Jimmy's uh, go-to uh, infos, and that would be hang time on Aaron Tippett's <laughs> punch. Got to yeah. know what the hang time is on those <laughs> yeah. punts. Uh, so thank you very much for that as an Eagle fan, uh, not down in practice. Who's going to be catching those punts? Are they going to use assistant coaches in games this year to determine whether the game goes on or not, like they did at practice the other. Oh, you guys get canceled on Friday because the coach caught a yeah. punt. Uh, it's yeah. one of the spots on the Eagles that I would consider right now a weakness. They don't really have a good punt returner and or kickoff. They have guys who catch the ball, but they don't have a guy who can make a play at either kickoff punt returner. Are they going with what they have, or do you think that's something that Howie Roseman is still on the lookout for? Yeah, uh, Michael Clay, the special teams coordinator, spoke with the media last week. And people were kind of, uh, in terms of the media members, trying to get him to see if he could speak as to if someone has a lead as the team's punt returner. That's a situation that was really tough for the Eagles in 2021. And uh, Jalen Rager goes on the microscope just because of some of the issues he's had on the field in his first two NFL seasons as someone who hasn't been a productive receiver compared to the other receivers that were drafted around him in 2020. And then you have a situation where in that playoff game against Tampa Bay, he gets benched given that he can't simply field a punt and I would say it's unwise uh maybe an understatement to say that I, I don't think any Eagles fans could trust Rager out back there to be the true punt returner and then you have a situation where Greg Ward was fielding punts he's kind of just a guy he put back there not expecting a lot of juice to have him pick up some 15 20 yard return you just have him back there in the hopes that he can catch the ball and call a fair catch but I like someone out there that's a little more lively Kenny Gainwell was fielding punts on Wednesday, he's not someone who has it, even though his skill set seems tailored fit to be someone who should be an excellent returner, doesn't have a ton of experience there. So I don't know exactly what his mileage is there and whether Michael Clay and the organization is comfortable with him fielding punts back there. But I think the the one name that Eagles fans might be into is Britton Covey, the undrafted free agent who's a kind of return specialist and wide receiver. I'm not sure the Eagles would roster him 
just for the sake of returning because I don't necessarily they can think they can have a six wide receiver who isn't you know an NFL caliber receiver. I'm not even just saying a starting or excellent receiver. I'm not sure he could play wide receiver at the next level. He's the guy that would stick out to me, but it's a situation where if he can't provide you anything in the passing game as a rostered wide receiver, I'm not sure the team was going to value that return capability enough to keep him on there. But Kenny Gainwell is a guy, especially if he's just the second or third back on the offense, the guy can make plays with the ball in his hands. And I'd like to see him get a lot of work as a returner in training camp in an ideal situation. Uh, maybe I'll take Jalen Ray or Greg, Greg Ward for that spot. Though maybe unfortunately in the eyes of Eagles fans, I, don't, I think Jalen Rager, it's going to be Jalen Rager's job to start the year. And if it's a situation where he can't simply field a ball <clears> the first couple of weeks of the season, uh, it might be like the Tampa Bay postseason game back in January where he loses a job fairly quickly. Yeah, that's not a good position to be in. He is Seamus Clancy. You follow him on Twitter. You see it right there at Seamus underscore Clancy. Uh, Phillyboys.com, deputy sports editor, filling in for Jimmy Kemsky. Uh, not only a great inaugural sort of introduction to the Eagles beat, but here on Birds 365, which is even more important, Seamus, so we appreciate it. But I'll leave you with this. Um, Nick Sirianni, Jody and I talked about it at the top of the show. Um, and the Eagles, and we know Jeffrey Lurie uh, has been uh, very involved as an owner. And yeah. that's a good thing for people who don't realize. I talk about all the time what this organization was before Jeffrey Lurie uh, purchased them. Uh, it's better than it was. Howie Roseman, we know his reputation. Um, Off-season work, we talk about it all the time. Uh, one of two teams that didn't have mandatory minicamp, uh, 13 practices available to NFL teams. The Eagles used six. Um, I've yet to meet the football coach. I say this all the time that doesn't want to practice. Yeah. Do you think this is uh, something you keep an eye on down the road? If Nick Sirianni, for instance, keeps winning, um, do you think he pushes for more power, for more ability to do things? Because this is clearly an organizational decision, not a Nick Sirianni decision, despite him being a good soldier and trying to yeah. bend everything off. I'm going to give – I'd obviously like to see the team practice more, just not just because of their on-the-field capabilities, just so media members like us could get a greater insight into what's going on this offseason. Yeah, season. Well, yeah. But I think I'm at the point where I'm deferring to Nick Sirianni and the organization, giving them the benefit of the doubt, given that they didn't have these really intense practice sessions last year. Uh, I know it's part of that is COVID-related reasoning, but it seemed like they were on the back burn compared to other teams around the league on this situation last year as well. They stayed really healthy in 2021 compared to where they had been the last handful of years. Some really disastrous injury situations in the past few years before that. And I don't think those are necessarily linked because they had extra practices that previous summer. But if the situation where the veterans on the team are comfortable with it, maybe that's the, the way it has to be. And if it's a situation this upcoming season where, again, the team stays healthy, they improve a little bit over their 9-1 season, they win 10-11 games this, this upcoming season, I think uh, they're going to have to live with that. And that could be the, the, the new norm, not to just take a old Doug Peterson phrase for you, but that could be just be nothing the new norm for the birds. But in a situation that becomes more normalized, uh, for the entire league. And I think uh, both fans, media members, and the organization, too, would like to see more of these younger players, these back-of-the-roster players who are fighting for their football lives in a way. Uh, but I guess that doesn't seem like the priority for them at the moment. All right. My last question, Seamus, is this. 
Um, when did you take over as deputy sports editor? Uh, my first day was the last day of February this past year. So this past, this yes, yeah, so about three, three or so months on the job, right? Now. Okay, so that's good because I, well, it is and it isn't good. Uh, I, <laughs> I don't have. Uh, well, let me explain. Yeah, Philly voice guy, check it out every single day. Yeah, certainly for their Eagle coverage. And last year, season starts, and I go there on a Monday, and I go, wait a minute, Kyle Newbeck is writing about the Eagles. What yeah. the hell? Newbeck's my sixer go-to guy. Worked the WIP with me. He's my buddy. He doesn't know diddly squat about the <laughs> Eagles. And then I read his article. I said, hey, that's not bad. And then uh, the next Sunday came, and he wrote about the game. against hey, Newbeck knows what he's talking about when it comes to the Eagles. I was going to give you credit for it because I thought he knew nothing about football. But his Monday columns are actually okay. Um, so uh, is Newbeck going to be part of uh, Philly Voice's Eagle coverage again this year? Uh, I can't speak to what's going to happen in the fall, but I've known Kyle. Oh, come for a on. Long you know time. exactly what the hell's going to happen. I, in the fall. I'm the, I'm you can the number tell us now. I'm, I'm the you number two, not the number one. Band? Come on. <laughs> We have a new. Uh, He's going to defer to Evan Macy. He's yeah, gonna, I don't have uh, the, the 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 full say just yet. But we also have brought on a new uh, sports writer on the website over the last couple of months. His name's Nick Tricombe. He does really great work for us, and I imagine he'll be too, really yeah. involved with our Eagles coverage uh, come the fall, and maybe taking over some of Kyle's roles a little bit, uh, given that we have an extra kind of arm in the bullpen, so to speak. Okay. But right. known Kyle for a long time kind of going on a decade don't, now as being friends, uh, just in a, the younger guys in the Philadelphia sports media scene, I guess you could say. But don't, uh, those are stuff, not just basketball, but all sports, I would say. Don't use Nick three days in a row with that extra arm in the bullpen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're not, we're, I'm not going to be Joe Girardi out there working the Philly voice bullpen, don't worry. Uh, feel free to tell Nubik I, I said something nice about him. He'll, he'll probably fall I'll text over. him after this. But yes, uh, he actually did a pretty good job with Eagle stuff. I was shocked. I thought yeah. he knew nothing about football. But if you use him again this year, I'll be reading him. I'll be reading you. I'll be reading Nick. Whoever you guys throw out there, you do a good job. Thank you very much for hopping on. Now that we know you, now that we've got you in as uh, part of the mix, we're going to be tapping into you more often. Uh, you, you, maybe you heard at the top of the show, we got 93 days till uh, first game of the season. How many Ooh. days till St. Patrick's Day, Seamus? Oh, I don't know. I don't know quite that. Uh I wasn't a math major, I'll tell you. Oh, yeah, that uh, Jody's job, always right. throwing Game math Clancy, with a name like that, you yeah. got to know how many days to yeah. St. Patrick's Day. I no. look super Italian because of my mom, so a lot of times <laughs> people crush me. They're like, I thought your name would have been Vin Vincenzo and your last name ends in a vowel. But yeah, I, get the, I never uh, know when. People say the same thing to me because of McMullen and, you yeah. know, I, I'm more Scottish. So, I mean, I don't. I never know when St. Patty's Day is coming well, I'm, up. So. I'm checking his Twitter here and it says, okay, grownups, it's beer o'clock. So I I figure he's yeah. gonna know when St. Patrick's yeah, Day is. I like a couple it's not beers. An unfair uh, I've, question. I've, had, I've had a couple. My uh, my two best friends, coincidentally, uh, my best friend growing up in South Philly, my best friend from college, both of their birthdays on St. Patrick's Day. Nice. So it's always nice. a good fun time. You, you, uh, got that Irish Catholic in me for sure. Yeah. Uh, originally from Grace Ferry section of Philadelphia, uh, nice. super duper Irish Catholic. Yeah. There, you so. got plenty. You got plenty of time to get ready. Yeah, it's in my blood. It's yeah. in my blood for sure. Yeah. He'll have a green outfit. You see, that's the beauty of St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, I got, I got a green shirt. I actually wore this shirt on St. Patrick's Day this year. A little, the, that's little green why shirt. I shirt asked. On now you yeah. understand. Yeah. Jamie's great job. Thanks for hopping on us today, bud. We'll get you back up soon enough. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. Our Thanks, Seamus. Seamus Clancy doing a good job from uh, phillyvoice.com here with us on Birds 365. All right, McMullen McDonald coming back. We got another Mac. Worry about as Irish as you get today. 
Um, I think McLean's Irish. He might be. Scottish he might be Scottish too. Yeah. yeah I'm, we'll I'm, I'm part Irish, part Scottish. I don't even know. I'm not one of those genealogy people. Who cares? About ninety-five percent. I got five percent Scottish in the. Uh, uh, my father's mother had uh, was half Scottish, so by the time it filters down to me, got a little Scottish in me, but mostly Irish. We'll find out John McLean's genealogy when he jumps aboard. Yeah, we'll probably talk more football with him than genealogy, <laughs> but that's uh, why we put John McLean up. Uh, still doing radio, a lot of radio work down in the Houston area. He's only been one of the best football columnists uh, for the last three or four decades. Uh, but we'll punch up John McLean uh, next hour. McMullen and McDonald coming back here on Birds 365. Go for the polls and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Your guys here on For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early 
so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Three sixty-five on a football Friday. I got to thank uh, one of our streamers here. Thank you to all the guys who hop on board and uh, at least give me something to read during the show, during the breaks uh, on the streaming side. Uh, Philip Preston did the math for us. 280 days to St. Patrick's Day, John. 97 days. All right. First we got to get ready. Thank you. I, I don't have much time. Yeah, start start preparations now. Uh, but something tells me you'll put more preparation into St. Patrick's Day than the Eagles did this spring for the upcoming <laughs> season. Well, that's just, fair. That might say, be fair. Just uh, now nah, they work hard, fair. Jody. They work hard. They're in yeah, the class. They're in the uh, class. Again, um, risking the ire of Eagle Nation, uh, but I really do think they're leaning too heavily on we can't get injured and not giving enough to you actually got to prep for an upcoming football season. Um, the whole working on the fundamentals, the Eagles emphasize this off season gearing down on the fundamentals that they really put in effort to get the fundamentals. In. You did less hours than any other team in the national football league. Uh, then if you did that much on fundamentals, it sounds to me like you're not prepping enough to have all your guys ready to play their positions and the nuances of your offense or whatever. It doesn't add up to me, Johnny Mac. Yeah. Did, I did guess... they really, when the couple of minutes that you were there, were they really gearing down on those fundamentals? Well, I get, I, I think what Nick was saying with that was when they are out on the field, it's heavy fundamentals, heavy technique. They spent like 35 minutes of, an hour, you know, doing that kind of stuff. Then he, you got 10 minutes of special teams and you got 15 minutes of seven on seven. Um, I think he was speaking to when they are out there in the spring, there's a, there's a larger emphasis on, on technique and fundamentals, not, not overall, but you know, there's this, look, it's never going to be like it was before. Um, yeah, well, you and I know way back you go, they used to play six preseason games, six, six preseason games. Now, I think that's just as stupid as not having mandatory minicamp. Um, you know, work, work smarter, uh, you know, not necessarily work harder, whatever you want to say. But um, there is, you know, one thing that always rang true to me about, um, you know, coaches, old school coaches who, who, you know, said preseason was valuable, which I never agreed with. Um, and there were there were sort of two sort of schools of thought. You know, I always say I, I got to cover uh, Dennis Green early in my career, and he, he always believed winning was a habit. And he liked to win preseason games. Now, he wasn't going to play the starters or anything, but he was trying to win those games. Um, anytime you're out there, he wanted to win because he believed, as I said, winning is a habit, losing is a habit. I kind of agree with that. Um, then he had the Marv Levy school of thought, I'd like to call it. And Marv 
with those great Buffalo teams, you know, you're just trying to find five people at the back end of his roster. And the Bills used to get killed in the preseason. I mean, 40 to three, you know, blah, blah. They, they're just not playing anybody. Not trying. And they're just trying to find a couple of players. They get to the regular season. All of a sudden, Jim Kelly, Thurman, Thomas, Bruce Smith, et cetera, et cetera. They're just winning football games all over the place. Um, so I always, you know, kind of got both schools of thought. But then somebody told me, and I'd never even thought about it before. Now I think about it all the time. You said college teams just show up and play. They don't have preseason games. Nobody complains. Nobody is. Nobody. I mean, that's it is. They have scrimmages and they have, you know, spring games and they do all that kind of stuff and they practice. There's no preseason in college. Well, you can argue when Alabama schedules Sanford, it's a preseason game, but it's not really a preseason. It's a real game. Three is preseason. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, you know, I see both sides of the fence, but practice to me has always been more important to coaches. And it makes sense because, and Doug Peterson was the one who told me and explained it the best. You can script things in practice. And I say it all the time on the show. I still use it. It, If you want to work on your red zone, you have to, you have to help. You have to hope you get in the red zone in a, in a live environment. It, it, but in a practice, you can go to the other coach and look, I need help in red zone. We'll script this period for red zone. You can work on it. So it makes more sense to, to, to value practices and, and those joint practices like the Eagles do. But at this point of the year, you know, the Eagles are an outlier at this point. Maybe they're proven right. Maybe they're proven wrong, but their whole thought process is is built on the medical staff and their recommendations. That's what it's all about. Nothing else. Nothing else. And here, here's my biggest question with it and or knock on it. Um, I, I followed their line of logic and thinking, and they do put an extra emphasis on staying healthy and less work uh, means less risk. But they have some key additions, new members to this football team. If you are, quote unquote, running it back with the same group and the guys were here and Sirianni's only been here, but those guys who had all of last year, I get it. Fletcher Cox doesn't need to be put in extra time this week. That's why he just pops his head in, as he says. A.J. Brown should have been here all week. He's new. I know that Jalen is his buddy and they work out during the offseason. They've never done so on the Eagles field before. And uh, they could use a a little bit of a time to work together while under the tutelage of his new Eagle coaching staff. James Bradbury just got here and know he's been around, been a good player for both New Orleans and the Giants. But he's playing a course from Darius Slay and he's working under a new Eagle coaching staff. Um, Hassan Reddick, how is he going to be used? He's a very debatable guy because he's going to be used standing up. Is he going to be using, uh, used with his hand in the dirt? How exactly is he going to fit in Gannon's system? Uh, and the Kobe Dean is a third round draft pick. Uh, you know how much I like the guy. I think he's a playmaker. I think he and Edward should be on the field together, not one or the other. I think they're the two best Eagle linebackers and should both be uh, in the lineup. Uh, even though I'm a Kazir White fan, uh, I think by the second half of the season, 
Dean will be the guy who will be on the field more often than any of the other linebackers. Oh, by the way, Kazir White, a new eagle. They got a lot of new additions, John. Key guys who are going to play key roles on this team this year, and I haven't even mentioned Jordan Davis yet. They've never played a game in Eagles Green. So any practice that they could get just to become part of the team and understand the offensive and defensive philosophy, depending on what side of the ball they're on, would be helpful. And they got very little of that these last two weeks. Well, I, 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 you know, you brought up wide receivers first and A.J. Brown. You're going to see this continue in training camp as well. I mean, I was just counting up when you were talking. They have 12 receivers on the roster. Um, They have 13 cornerbacks uh, on on the 90-man roster. That's another uh, uh, thought process of the modern sort of uh, whatever you want to call it as far as health and safety or sports science. Um, those thoroughbred positions, as Doug Peterson would call them, um, are more susceptible to soft tissue injuries. Uh, and if you keep running those guys out there, you're going to see all those management game uh, maintenance days uh, for wide receivers and cornerbacks. The minute any of them tweaks anything, they're going to be shut down. You're not going to see them for three, four days. Um, that's the way it's going. I think this is the only show. Uh, if you read Jeff McLean, I'll give Jeff some credit. I think this is the only show you're going to hear. One of them, and we talk about Nick Sirianni plenty. And we talk about Howie Roseman plenty. Um, and they're obviously the most important when it comes to the on field and building the roster and then I'm obviously coaching it. But one of the most powerful people in this organization is Arsh Denota, and this is the only show that talks about it. Jeff writes about it occasionally. This is all his recommendation. And the Eagles love him, and the Eagles think he's a superstar, and it's all about him running the medical training department, and this is the way they believe it should be done. And Small sample size, it's only one season. Seamus kind of talked about it. They think it worked, and they're going to continue it. And maybe if it doesn't work, maybe they'll rethink it. Um, but it's a guy nobody talks about, the exception of us uh, and Jeff. I'll give Jeff some credit. Um, he's really important to this team, and not many people know that or realize it and realize how important it is. You and I realize it because we can see how much time they're putting in or not putting in. And I know soft tissue injuries is the key to everything. Cause if a guy goes out and uh, breaks his leg, you're going to, he's like, Whoa, that's not a soft tissue injury. Practicing less couldn't have prevented that. If a guy's going to get rolled up on his leg, there's nothing we can do about it. I get it. So he cut down on soft tissue injuries last year. The Eagles were the football team that they were. They were a nine and eight football team. I say nine and seven because that last game doesn't count in my mind. Uh, but uh, they, they weren't so less injured than other teams that it improved them from a potential six and 11 team to nine. Oh, because they didn't have those soft tissue injuries. I don't buy that for a millisecond, John. They They can attempt to talk themselves into it i'm not buying yeah they've talked themselves into it i mean i'm i'm i say all the time you can't legislate injuries uh now uh 
there is, I think more important is the back end. I think more important is the treatment and talk to somebody in the, the organization. And it was kind of an archaic way of doing things in the NFL in the past when you had essentially trainers being uh, the head of sort of rehab and a trainer would say, Oh, that's a four week injury. They're not doctors. I mean, you should have a doctor in charge of that kind of stuff. I think it's more valuable on the back end after guys get injured. I, I think I'm with you. I think it's hooey to predict injuries. I, you know, guys get injured walking down the street guys. There's, there's, you know, people hate this term in professional sports. And it's a big part of it. And it's luck. And people hate luck because you can't control luck. And or or fate or whatever you want to word you want to use. You know, one of one of the great I'm a big Bill Parcells guy. I say it probably too much. I have tremendous amount of respect for him. Um, I think he's one of the best coaches ever. Um, but he also really smart from a common sense perspective. And he always, he had this list that he gives all his guys when they would get head coaching jobs. And one of the things always stuck with me, and it was something like four or five things happen every day in the NFL that you hope wouldn't happen. And if you can't deal with them, you better get another job. And it might be everything from an injury to somebody getting arrested uh, to somebody going on social media, scrubbing their social media, uh, uh, being pissed off about their contract. Could be a million different things, Jody. And things are always flying at you. And they're difficult to deal with. And injuries is one of it. And to sit there and, and, and sit in a chair and think to yourself, I can control injuries. I don't believe that. I don't believe it. And we'll see if it plays out this year, if the Eagles have the least injured team in the National Football League. Because if it correlates and equates, well, they did less off-season work than any other team in the NFL. So, therefore, they should have less injuries than anybody else. Uh, it's not a perfect scenario, and it's all just second-guessing on our part. We'll see how it actually plays. And then we only have only six weeks, John, before the Eagles actually get camp underway. Uh, again, this is just trying to read in between the lines. You were there, so I'm going to ask you to do it, even though I acknowledge that it's something difficult to do. I did see a couple of guys, oh, like a uh, Dave Spadaro on the Eagles uh, website itself. The Eagles can't wait for training camp to open up. Uh, the coaching staff left them wanting more. Six uh, weeks down yeah. the road, they're going to get up. it. You're going you're gonna to get all the hard-headed stuff from Eagles.com. State-run yeah. media. Baby. Yeah, a State little bit. Um, so I, you, you expect full well to see this type of article out of Spud. Uh, any of that? You get any feel that the guys were like bummed out that OTAs were over and can't wait for training camp to start? No, nah, I got more up. I can't get. I can't wait to get over the Walt Whitman to get to get back home for the South Jersey guys. And yeah, no, everybody wants out. School's out for summer. Everybody. Yeah, you know. Uh, just don't go to cheerleaders on the way home. There were some issues back in the day. <laughs> yeah, we'll, 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 we'll bypass that uh, for now. All right, uh, he's John McClain. I'm Jody McDonald. Coming up in just a couple of minutes, we'll be joined by John McClain. For those of you who haven't seen John with us before, uh, 
he's one of the lead NFL writers, has been for decades, Hall of Fame voter, um, been a, a good friend of mine to hop on my radio shows when I've asked him over the years, and it's been good to us since we started Bird 60, 365 last year. I stepped away from the Houston Chronicle oh, about two or three months ago after the football season was over and done with the uh, announcement he was going not going to be a uh, regular football columnist for them anymore. But he is a radio guy down in Houston. He's still doing like 10 shows a week, something ridiculous like that, on varying stations, mostly on the uh, flagship station of the uh, Texans. I think it's 6, 10 a.m. Uh, sports talk down in uh, Houston. But John is one of the best guests we get on, knows everything about the league. And, yeah, we got a couple of Deshaun Washington questions we can throw his way uh, when we punch him up. So John McClain, now radio star in Houston, former NFL columnist for the Houston Chronicle. He's going to hop aboard with us next here on Birds 365. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. At Action News, we cherish every moment, and it's our profound responsibility to bring you closer to your world. Never miss a moment. Trust the people at Action News. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities with Local 98, visit us, IBEW98.org. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, fake a mom. Mama, go. Oh, mama! She did it. Again, you can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
got John McMullen, Jody McDonald here with Young Birds 365. Joining us for the next 20, 25 minutes uh, is a good friend of this show, my radio shows for many a years. I'm a little disappointed now that he's retired. I thought maybe he'd add a little salt to the chin as well, because he certainly got the same gray mustache as McMullen and I. Uh, but he's looking <laughs> good, and he's working harder than ever as a radio star down there in Houston on uh, several different radio stations. Our buddy John McClain hops aboard with us on Birds 365. How are you, JM? Jody, John, I'm doing great. I hope you guys are too. Uh, good to see you, John. Uh, you know, I, first off, before we get into the serious stuff, I, I saw you were going to throw out uh, the first pitch uh, at an Astros game. Has that happened yet? Is, how much pressure is that on you? Are you thinking about it? When When is that going to happen or has it happened? No, it happened Sunday. Um I, uh, the Rockets honored me in their last game and I had to shoot a free throw for charity oh. right before the opening tip. And the players are all there watching me. They had people lined up on the free throw line behind me. And I, I didn't want to shoot an air ball. So I got my old basketball out and I worked out the driveway <laughs> and I clanked it off the rim. But to me, okay. that was just, that's good. good though. You caught yeah. iron. You wanted Chris to catch iron. You caught iron. I've been yeah. playing catch, getting ready for Sunday's throw. And Justin Verlander will come in and relieve me, and I hope I don't. <laughs> yeah, but George Bush, uh, he had the best one to me, best first pitch, ton of pressure. Uh, uh, I, you know, that's 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 an exciting thing, John. You've gotten to do a lot of things, the free throw as well. It shows how well respected, how well liked you are down there in Houston. I saw you went in the Texas Hall of Fame as well. Uh, they're going to have to – how many Hall of Fames are you in? They're going to have to create some more Hall of Fames. Pro Football Hall of Fame, Texas Sports Hall of Fame, I think that's it. I'm getting honored next week uh, for charity, and they've got people like uh, Kenny Houston, Robert Brazil, Elvin Bethay, Gary Kubiak, Dan Pastorini coming out. Uh, toast, they call it, uh, and happy to do it. I've been overwhelmed by the response. I retired – from the Chronicle, but I still do 10 weekly radio shows in six cities, which I've been doing for years. And I'm on the Texan flagship four times a week. So I go to all their practices, but just talking about sports, you guys know what that's like. You do it 24 seven. And so I like, I like to be paid for it too. (laughs) (laughs) He's still cashing those checks, but he is as loyal to the NFL as anything else. You mentioned still going out to those, uh, Texans practices, sessions, workouts, call them what you want here in Philadelphia. They have gatherings because they'll only do seven on seven, not 11 on 11. How much work is Lovey Smith putting in down there in Houston? Lovey, of course, is the first year coach, third time he's been an NFL coach. He calmed turbulent waters when they named him over a former Eagles quarterback, Josh McCown, and what they were about to name McCown, and they were getting criticism like crazy locally, nationally. So they elevated Lovey. Players like him, respecting him. He was defensive coordinator, associate head coach last year. And they they really need the offseason program, especially the OTAs, for teaching. And I've been out there for the ones that the media uh, was allowed to witness. And so there's a lot of teaching going on, not just for new players, but a lot of new coaches. Pep Hamilton was promoted 
from passing game coordinator, quarterback coach to offensive coordinator. He had five teams pursuing him. And as the Eagles will see when they come into NRG Stadium this season, they'll see a team that has more talent than last season, but is still a long way to go from competing for the playoffs. They'd won the division title four times in five years under Bill O'Brien. And in 2019, which seems like 20 years ago, they beat Buffalo in the playoffs, led Kansas City 24-0 in the second quarter at Arrowhead before choking that lead, and they've gone down the toilet since. Yeah, John, how how close, because we know Josh uh, well here in Philadelphia, um, how close was he to to getting that Texas uh, Texans job? That close? And, close. and by the way, That's close. Uh, not only Josh, but also Jonathan Gannon, because he was probably the third, I guess, in that trio. Uh, was it really just the pressure and if, if maybe they acted earlier? And, and then kind of secondly on Josh McCown, you know, he seems, and I've been talking to people for years about Josh. He's going to be a future head coach. They've been saying it for years. Why doesn't he kickstart that process somewhere else? Uh, is there a chance that Lovey is sort of another David Cully? And eventually Josh McCown is going to be the head coach there. Uh, he will not be a one and done like David Culley. No way. Uh, Jonathan Gannon had two good interviews. They liked him a lot, but their plan was to, to name Josh McCown the head coach, which made no sense considering he's only coached in high school. Once I knew they were going to do that, I started calling people with the 12 teams he'd been with. Everybody swears by him, not yeah. just the fact that he's a great guy, but he's got a chance to be a great coach, but he needs to start at the bottom. And they kind of pulled the rug out from under him. And Lovey Smith has had him with two teams, and he wanted him to, on the staff, but McCown just – I don't think he was ready uh, to take that jump after they pull the rug out from under him. And I'm pretty sure after another year off, he's going to surface somewhere as an assistant coach, work his way up and have a chance to fulfill all the high expectations people would have for him. Uh, speaking of taking a year off, like John McClain, taking it off from writing, but not radio, David Cully, one year shot, assistant forever, Finally get a chance in the big chair. Has to deal with the Deshaun Watson situation, which none of his doing. But he's got to be the guy who's got to deal with it throughout and gets his walking papers at the end of the year. Was it fair to him? Are we going to see David Cully again? Has he asked you to go fishing with him yet? What is David Cully up to these days? Right now, David's taking a year off. He got his knees replaced after the season. He said he and his wife love it here. They've got a great spot out right just outside of town. He's playing golf. Uh, he's traveling a lot. He said it's the first time he's ever traveled with his wife when it wasn't work-related, and he's having a blast. He had a five-year contract. He got fired after one. He walked away with a lot of money. Nice. He had offers immediately yeah. from coaches who've had him in the NFL but I know this, he may retire. He may just take one year off right now. David doesn't know. He's one of my all-time favorite guys, but I was the only media person in Houston who thought he deserved a second season and didn't have anything to do with the record. It had to do with a lot of his coaching decisions, and I thought David was great to deal with, and I thought he did deserve a second season. But when I look back on the McCown situation, it makes me think they knew 
that they were going to hire McCown. They were going to try to hire McCown. And, uh, and so they fired David. And of course he walked away with a lot of money, but you know, that's not always the situation. You know, it won't surprise me at all if he doesn't come back as a receivers coach after one year off. Uh, another high profile retirement, uh, at least from an NFL perspective, you got to, to be around uh, Romeo Cronell uh, for a number of years uh, down there in Houston, um, I guess a 50-year coaching career. Um, one of those guys who I don't think gets the credit he deserves. Uh, what are your thoughts on Romeo, John? Uh, Bill O'Brien hired him as his first defensive coordinator when he came in here in 2014. We thought Romeo had retired in 2013, but, you know, those coaches get it in their blood. They don't walk away until they absolutely have to. So Romeo came in as the coordinator, did a terrific job when the Texans were winning division titles, and they moved him aside to associate head coach in 2017 to promote Mike Vrabel. Then Vrabel was hired as the head coach of the Titans. Romeo came back year late, two years later. They moved up defensive line coach Anthony Weaver as a defensive coordinator. Then Romeo came back. Last year he was interim coach. I've never dealt with somebody that I thought had more class or I had more fun covering just because he's such a good guy. Five Super Bowl rings as an assistant, two with the Giants under Parcells, three with the Patriots under Bill Belichick. And he's 74 years old, and uh, I believe now Romeo is finally retired. <laughs> and uh, hopefully he enjoys his uh, retirement time. All right. A uh, guy who is not retired but is no longer in Houston is uh, your former quarterback who has continued to not only uh, make it more difficult for his new organization, the Cleveland Browns, but also the Texans, and I'm referring to Deshaun Watson, of course, uh, came out this week that the Texans had actually gotten uh, hotel rooms for Deshaun to be able to get some of the massage sessions that he had and a security officer from the Texans gave him an NDA paperwork to get some of his uh, masseuses to sign off on so that he didn't get himself in trouble thereafter. So uh, the, uh, the uh, attorney for those that are suing Deshaun Watson are contemplating adding the Texans to the lawsuits because they're saying that the Texans were complicit if they were offering him NDAs to try and get the masseuses to keep their uh, uh, complaints from Deshaun Watson off. Uh, how is the organization dealing with this? They just want to turn the page and want to get on with the rest of their lives, but they're not being allowed to because there are some things that still need to be determined. How are the Texans dealing with this right now, John? Let me clarify exactly what's happened because there's a lot of misinformation out there. First of all, Tony Busby, who represents the 24 plaintiffs, he's a master promoter. He's a master at winning the battle in the court of public opinion, which is one reason Watson's attorney, Rusty Harden, went public and had that infamous happy endings quote on my radio station in Houston's radio a week ago. So uh, what Tony Busby says, if the Texans didn't know, they should have known. Sean Watson said in the deposition, they didn't know. And what happened and this is according to the one of the plaintiffs, is um, 
one of the women went public on Instagram, and I don't know how nobody knew this, last year in which she put out a couple of his text messages and his phone number and threatened him like I could have gotten you in a lot of trouble. So he went to the director of security and said, we don't know what he told him. I'm sure he didn't tell him, hey, I've been getting massages all over town and uh, this one's threatening me. But he said he had a woman threatening him and he put NDAs in his locker. And uh, and then the Texans where they didn't know anything about massages. And I don't know how they would because everybody says it's one-on-one. The plaintiffs say that. Watson side has said that. It was him and different masseuses. Now, there's a bunch of Texans and a bunch of celebrities in our city, including owners who are mem- members of the Houstonian Spa and Resort, including Watson. And originally, when he came to town, he wanted a membership somewhere. They lined him up to get the membership there. Now, according to the plaintiffs, he had seven uh, massages there and uh, had his own private room. As far as I know, the Texans have kept the NFL up to date on everything they knew. I don't see anything happening to the Texans. Everybody's waiting for Roger Goodell to decide what he wants to do with the suspension. Originally, Jody and John, I thought it'd be like six games, maybe eight. And now I'm thinking it could be a season. And I tell you, the Eagles made a strong run for him last year before the trading deadline, but he only place he would go and having the no trade clause in his contract helped him tremendously because a lot of teams were interested and he rejected the Eagles as he did some others because he was determined to go to Miami, not because he thought the Dolphins were going to be a great team, but people who know him well, they were speculating that he wanted to go to South Florida because stars can kind of disappear. And uh, that didn't work out right at the trading deadline because they had a deal worked out three ones, three and five. The owner, Stephen Ross, said on Thursday before the Tuesday trade deadline, I want those 22 civil suits settled. And it was the first time Watson gave his people permission to do it, and they could only get 18 of the 22. The other four did not want to sign non-disclosures because they wanted to tell their story. And so the story is still being told. And I went, the New York Times had a number of 66 up from the 44 yeah. we, we knew about. And uh, that's over a year and a half, not over a five-year period, as Watson insisted in his introductory news conference at Cleveland. Yeah, it's a mess. And uh, 66 is the number Jenny, Jenny Brent has had for the New York Times and, and, so I guess some people look at the Houston Texans and I'm, I'm sort of in your camp. Nobody knows the Texans better than you. I I get the feeling that it's really, really difficult to police personal behavior. Um, I don't know how the Texans, you know, how that comes up. Hey, you're getting 66 different massage therapists that might've created a red flag. Um, do you think the Texans could have, done anything or should have done anything or should have known about this? How is it possible to know about this? Or is that unfair? When players leave and go do things on their own at night away from the facility or late afternoon, teams don't police them. As far as a quarterback coming to a security director and say, Hey, I got a problem with a woman. And he said, well, here, then you better get, you better think about using these next time. Only thing I can think of, (coughs) excuse me. And maybe they did this. When he told the security director and he told him it was one 
and he didn't tell them what it was about, but should they have looked into it more? You know, teams don't keep up with players. They tell them what to do. They tell them what not to do, but you can't be with them 24-7. And in not in one lawsuit did they ever say anybody but Watson and the defendant was in the room. There was nobody else there at any point. So what went on, we still don't know for sure. It's what he says and she said. And I've looked at every lawsuit three times, except two last week, which I've only read once. And they all tell a similar story of what they say he did and what he wanted. And I can tell you this, Jody and John, I am so glad it's not my problem anymore. I'm happy to talk about it on talk shows, Twitter, tweet about it, retweet about it, but not, not having to worry about Deshaun Watson every 24-7 as I did for almost a year and four months. I'm glad he's the problem of the Cleveland Browns. All right, John, I want to ask you a question about the current Texans whose practices you're still attending. Um, I got to give you credit because I've had you on numpteen times over the last year, and you've told me every single time, no, they really do like Davis Mills. And I kept saying, well, what is there to like? Whenever I would see the Texans, he wouldn't impress me. Not that I watch every yeah. single snap like you guys down in Houston, but he just – he never jumped up off the, the field for me. And he said, yeah, but they love, I'm telling you, Joe, they're not going to draft the quarterback. They like this kid. They're going to stick by this kid. They're going to give this kid a chance. And they surely have uh, shown that by their actions during this offseason. They added the kid, Mechie, from Alabama, who I liked, ended up the season hurt last year. But I think he's got a chance to be a nice player for them. Have they done enough in Houston to put weapons around him to truly give Davis Mills a chance. Still not a fan, Jody McDonald, but the Texans are. Have they done enough to uh, raise the kids' game this year? I wrote a column uh, for the Houston Chronicle at the, after the season, clearly over the last five games of the season, that Davis Mills was the best rookie quarterback in the NFL, and that included Mac Jones. And I went over all their statistics. Jones had the had the benefit of a top three running game and a top ten defense. Texans had the worst running game in the league, the worst in franchise history. Their defense was terrible. Mills didn't have any advantages around him other than wide receiver Brandon Cook and a young tight end and a young wide receiver. And so now they've tried to add. Remember, they didn't have number one picks two years in a row, didn't have first or second round picks last year, but this year they had a lot of picks, including two in the first round, two in the second round, and they were undergoing a massive rebuild. This is phase two we're looking at. And if things go well, you mentioned John Mechie. John Mechie is a slot receiver. He blew out his knee in the SEC championship game in Alabama. They expect him to be ready in August. He'd play inside between Brandon Cooks and another outside receiver. When the Eagles play, they'll have to cover 6'4", 220-pound Nico Collins, who flashed as a rookie. They've added two new starters in the offensive line because their offensive line has been terrible for the last two years. So Davis Mills may finally have some help. And in his last four games, he was a different quarterback. And uh, in the last game against Tennessee, Titans had to win to get home field advantage in the AFC. He played a great game. Titans won by three. And uh, they expect big things from him. If it doesn't work out, then they'll be back in the quarterback market next year. But one reason Pep Hamilton stayed here and took a promotion to offensive coordinator and turned down some other teams was because he likes Mills. 
They like he's big. He only started 11 games at Stanford. He was thrust into the lineup last year in the second game because Tyrod Taylor got hurt. He played terribly. He was awful. Then he went back to the bench when Taylor came back. Taylor was terrible. They put Mills back in for the last five, and he was a different quarterback. So watching him at OTAs, he's so much more confident than he was this time last year when he was running around like a chicken with his head cut off. And you can see that he's he has what it takes to be good, arm, leadership, intangibles, accuracy, but people still don't know for sure because he's only been good for the last five games. John, I, I want to talk to you about another young quarterback, and that's the Eagles quarterback, Jalen Hurts, for this reason. He's a Houston area kid. He used to be a ball boy for the Texans uh, back in the day. Um, did you get to know Jalen at all over the years when he's down there in, in, in high school and those types of things? No, I only deal with NFL guys, but I knew about Hurts because he was a real good player in a suburb called Channel View, and his dad yeah. was – his coach. And then when he went to college, one of the things that most impressed me at Alabama was the way he stepped aside with so much class for Tua Tagovailoa. And then he came back and everybody always talked about what a class act he was, how smart he was, and how physically and mentally tough he was. And I think he proved it at Alabama and then he proved it at Oklahoma. And uh, I don't know what the Eagles' plans were at the time when they drafted him, despite having Wentz. But I've got to think they've been very happy now in his third season. You know they expect him to take another step. And some people may say, well, why in the world were they interested in Watson if they had hers? Well, Deshaun Watson's special. In 2020, he was incredible. And that was without DeAndre Hopkins and without – other receivers, and he was tremendous. But if Hertz continues to make the progress that he's made each year since he left Alabama for Oklahoma, the Eagles can dethrone the Cowboys and win the NFC East. John, you mentioned the fact that the Eagles and the Texans play this year in November, Thursday night game, as a matter of fact. It looked like the Texans weren't going to have to face A.J. Brown like they have each of the last three years as a member of the Titans. Oh, AJ's still on the schedule. They're going to have to play him again when the Eagles come to town for that November game. Um, AJ Brown's had a uh, pretty damn good career to this point. We're lucky to have him here in Philadelphia. We were surprised that he landed here. Um, Your take on AJ Brown now with the Philadelphia Eagles. I've been doing radio weekly in Nashville for 26 years since the Oilers moved up there. So I follow them closely because I have to talk about them so much. And let me tell you what, teams in the AFC South, especially the Texans, they were so excited when he got traded, not just out of the division, but out of the conference because he had roasted them. He toasted the Texans. If he didn't get 100 yards, he was disappointed. And one of the things that he was so good at is because he's so strong and he's deceptively fast, but he breaks a lot of tackles. He is a Philadelphia-type player. He's physical. He never lets up. He's If he's hurt, he's got to be hurt really bad. The Eagles are going to love Brown. And people here are loving the fact they don't have to play him two times a year because he just uh, obliterated them. Uh, John, let's talk about the corners, though. Obviously, Derek Stingley is down there now um, uh, as the high-level first-round pick, but also our old buddy Steve Nelson 
veteran cornerback landed in Houston. Um, it, with Stingley there, is he, is he still sort of penciled in Steve Nelson as the starter corner, the other cornerback position down there? Right now, uh, their, last year their secondary was awful, which is one reason they drafted Stingley third overall and Baylor safety Jalen Petrie high in the second round and signed Steven Nelson and some other DBs. The secondary was awful, and and one and they let their best player, safety Justin Reed, get away in free agency, and he went to Kansas City, and nobody could blame him. So Nelson, as you guys know, fourth team in seven years. Yeah, he's competent. But Stingley's got a chance to be a superstar, and they've been taking it easy on him in OTAs because of the foot injury he had last year. He ran a 4.37 at LSU's Pro Day. But Lovey Smith, one of the things he does, if a guy's been injured, it's all about the mental part in the offseason program. Stingley's out there doing walkthroughs, and when he lines up, you know, he just looks like a guy who could be a great player. But they're hoping their secondary is vastly improved, and we'll know whether it is or not, depending on the pass rush they get. All right, last one for me, J.M. Uh, one of the things we've been bemoaning here in Philadelphia during this offseason is the fact that Aaron Sipos, their punter, has no competition. Didn't make sense to us. He kind of struggled in the second half of the season. Uh, maybe a guy who doesn't do well in the colder weather. Uh, he just kind of fell apart the last couple of weeks of the season. You got a guy we know a little bit named Cam Johnston down there. They still happy with him? Any chance he's going to hit the streets and Philadelphia he can swoop in and pick up an improved punter? Or is Cam locked in as your guy? John needs to wake you up when you quit dreaming, Jody. (laughs) First of all, last year when Nick Casario had a revolving door at NRG Stadium because of all the players he brought in, veterans from other teams, all on cheap deals, the only one he didn't give a cheap deal to, and the only one who got more than a two-year contract was Cam Johnston. And they loved the guy, not only on the field, but uh, watching him on the sideline. We like interviewing the guy. I'm sure he was terrific up there. Yeah, so yeah. there's a lot of players could be going here. Cam Johnston is not one of them. Well, let's talk. I'll, I'll leave it there at McLean underscore on underscore NFL, the great John McLean. Uh, Houston Texans, what is, you know, the, you mentioned Nick uh, being there as the GM. They've had so much turnover so much churn as he tries to get uh good players into that and rebuild the organization what is the strength of the houston texans right now john people ask me that all the time and i'm like (laughs) cam johnston they got some things that could be good but right now you can't look at anything and say that's the strength you know, Davis Mills has, has only been good for the last five games. A lot of questions about him. Worst running game. Offensive line was terrible. I think Brandon Cooks and if I, Nico Collins, if I had to pick something, I think I would say wide receivers or linebackers. They drafted Christian Harris from Alabama. He was working with the first team this week. But they don't really have anything that stands out because everything has gotten overhauled in this massive rebuild, which is one reason they gave Nick Casario a six-year contract to leave New England and be the general manager. And they gave him carte blanche. He's in charge of everything involving personnel. And he has moved a lot of players in and out. But uh, the first, the draft, it's the first time they've had a number one pick since 2019 because of Bill O'Brien's trades. 
And next year, they've got 11 picks, including the Browns, number one. They should have more than $100 million in salary cap room. And Casario had to clear up the salary cap issue. So he's not going to be like Jacksonville and try to win March. But he will spend some big money on a couple of free agents, I believe. And I think in 2023, the Texans will be really competitive for the first time since 2019 if Davis Mills plays the way they hope he will. Oh, we saw him stroke the chin. We'll see if the next time we get him back on, uh, it could be more like John. May need to do a little work. Lovey Smith, he's got no shot because Lovey's got <laughs> that really good, brave, great beard. Uh, we got John McClain growing a couple of uh, chin uh, hairs before uh, we get him back up again. John, uh, we miss reading you, but uh, I wish I'd catch you more on the radio. I guess, are you on any Odyssey stations down there? That's my station, Odyssey, sportsradio610.com. I got to punch up the Odyssey app. I should know better. Uh, John, as always, a pleasure. We appreciate you hopping on board. You know we're going to get John when we get closer to the season. Thanks for hopping on with us today. Jody and John, thank you guys very much. Hope you have a great weekend. Thank you, John. John McClain, insight is always top uh, notch and top drawer. And, uh, oh, by the way, he's got that Southern charm as well, which always makes him a great guest here with us on Birds 365. All right, McMullen, McDonald, we still got uh, 10 minutes to wrap up this week. Put a bow on the show on Birds 365. of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on action. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities with Local 98, visit us, ibew98.org. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. The glass is for cocktails, right? It's for this, this, this. And that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? 
I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero carbs, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. you Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. John McGowan back in for the full show today. Jeff Carr did a good job filling in for me yesterday, uh, filling in for John yesterday, uh, hanging with me. Uh, and he did uh, mention to me off the air that they have a new uh, insider at CBSSports.com. Um, Jason Lockon for is uh, going to scale back on the amount of work that he does. He does radio work out of uh, Baltimore, but he's not going to be the number one insider for uh, CBS via TV or uh, their website, cbsports.com, that they've got a, a new guy who's stepping into that role. And I was intrigued that yesterday uh, he stepped out, Jonathan Jones of CBS Sports, and said, you know, Baker Mayfield could get traded if he would take a pay cut. Now, you and I talk about this from time to time here on the show. There are information brokers around the National Football League. And I got to give Jonathan credit because he's jumping right into the fray. Uh, Brown's giving him inside info to say, hey, get it out there that Baker could take a pay cut. And that would help him if he's dying to go to another team. Tell him if he uh, okay. Yeah, well, I, cut I, I, think, I think the Browns might want to press pause on that right now. I, I think you bring up, you know, John McClain. I should have asked him as well because John has, you know, seen it all in the NFL. You know, big part of the NFL uh, when it comes to punishment is PR. You go all the way back to Ray Rice, and that's when, you know, I always go back to Ray Rice in Atlantic City. This is where Roger Goodell, all the heat started because he tried to re-legislate it. Remember, he suspended Ray, I think it was for two games. Um, everybody was fine with Then the video came video out came after, out. Yep. and he tried to re-legislate it, which, you know, you can't do that. Uh, but it just looks so horrible to the public. The NFL is more concerned about the public uh, reaction than it is about the fairness of any kind of penalty. And now that the public reaction is is tilting way away from Deshaun Watson, and I think John mentioned he was thinking six games. That's what I was thinking. Now he's starting to think a full season. I'm starting to think, if it's not a full season, it can be 12 games. It could be something pretty significant because of that PR aspect. And they might want to keep Baker Mayfield is what I'm saying. They might be, they might need a quarterback for even a full year, Jody McDonald. Right, but they did sign Jacoby Brissett. Now, I'll tell you, Baker Mayfield, for me, is better than well, Jacoby yeah. Brissett. But they don't – it's not like the drop-off. I mean, it, you know, if they think – they think they have a pretty good team. You know, they think they're going to be a playoff team with Deshaun Watson, maybe even a Super Bowl contender. If they want to win, yeah, you got to go Baker Mayfield over Jacoby Brissett if you want to, if you think you can still be a playoff team. And Baker was given a release from showing up for mandatory work. So they're 
trying to play a, a little bit of a leverage game in Cleveland now to see if they can get something in a trade form. Uh, maybe they know better or have faith that Rodney yeah, Bell is going to come down maybe. that hard. I'm with you. I, I think that uh, he's going to miss a significant chunk of the season, potentially the entire season. But it seems to me like with this uh, brokered information yesterday that, hey, if Baker wants to take a pay cut, make it easier to trade him, that Cleveland is uh, looking to move on from him rather than keep him around just in case his safety net uh, with Deshaun Watson looking at his punishment. Yeah, and as we wrap up the week, as Tom put up there, I have to say jacobsports.com. So if you you get all the interviews with Seamus Clancy, uh, uh, John McClain, you can get everything, the one-stop shop. You can get us. You can get Sports Take. You can get uh, the National Football Show at jacobsports.com. You can also read my Eagles coverage there over the weekend. So if you don't get enough of of, of Jody and, and, and me, which – uh, I'm sure you don't get enough of Jody, but you're probably sick of me. But go to jacobsports.com. And, Jody, you're doing – what, do you got a Belmont thing this week? Yeah. Uh, I'll be up at parks later on this afternoon um, for a handicapping session for the Belmont Stakes uh, on Saturday. Sorry to say there's only eight horses, and I think the favorites are in good position. Not the Kentucky Derby winner. I don't like Rich Strike, the 60 to 80 to one shot that jumped up and won the Kentucky Derby. Don't think he's going to be taken down two thirds of the Triple Crown uh, horse by the name of We the People, who they correctly made the two to one morning line favorite, even though he didn't race in either the uh, Kentucky Derby or the Preakness. Uh, won a big prep to Peter Pan at uh, Belmont Park by open links. I think he may just uh, go out and wire the field. I think it could be a wire to wire victory, but. That's horse racing. We talk about the thoroughbreds that are the Philadelphia Eagles here week in and week out. All right, partner, we got to come up with shows next week. Uh, I'm sure we'll wrangle a couple of good guests, but we got six weeks of non-activity. Yeah, there's plenty. There's always plenty to talk about. We'll get into the uh, 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 Aaron Seaposs and punt returner, kick returner. We're we're a hardcore. No, Cam Johnston. Yeah, yeah, McMullen kicked me Cam off. We Johnson got no chance yet. to get Cam back. No, the Texans love John's right. They signed so many players last year to one in in you know one year deals, one year prove it deals, just trying to churn guys in and out because they need so much help. But Cam, they gave three years. They're like Cam was their guy. Cam was their guy, and he's a great guy, by the way. Cam Johnson. Um, a little surprised. I mean. It's one of those where the Eagles don't think you should spend a lot of money at the, and and I put that in quotes relatively for the punter position. Um, maybe made a mistake on that one. Yeah, no. By the way, they paid the kicker, but they didn't want to pay the punter. Uh, they gave the multi-year deal to the kicker, but uh, the punter, we shall see. Johnston uh, was hope I was hoping he stayed here. Didn't work out that way. Uh, we will see him this year down in Houston as the Texans and the Eagles play at the week seven or week eight. Uh, somewhere thereabouts. We got a long time to go before that. We don't have all that long before you and I are back. Uh, enjoy the weekend. I know you'll probably put up about seven or eight thing on jacobsports.com over the weekend, uh, but I'm looking forward to being back with you on Monday, brother. You here? Let's do it, Jody. We will be back in two and two days, that is. Catch you Monday, everybody. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to Birds 365. <laughs> 
the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.